for for leading and guiding me in that and that's it's it has truly impacted me so thank you Woo. i didn't think that would make me emotional but there it is so before we head in i really just want to pray over you guys again i know we just prayed but i want to pray over you again but this time i want you to open your hands up if you hadn't already just open your palms up this is a position and a posture of surrender. This is a posture of openness. So what we do with our hands and what we do with our body connects to what we do with our hearts. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to open our hands as a symbol of opening our hearts. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. And I'm talking to Holy Spirit. God, you are so good. God, we thank you. We thank you that you are so good. God, we just pray that you would move mightily in our hearts. We lay down, we lay down our fears and anxieties. We lay down our questioning. We lay down whatever it is that we have to go to after this service and whatever thoughts are distracting us right now in this moment, God, we just lay them down and we surrender this moment to you. We commit this time to you and we are ready to hear from you, Holy Spirit. You're not hearing from Erica today. God, I just pray that you would speak through me and that the Holy Spirit would be the thing that speaks, that he would be the one that speaks to our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So before we can talk about the practice of worship, we need to define worship. And I think because we've gone to, you know, a variety, we have a variety of upbringings here. We have a variety of churches that we might have been a part of. And so we may have different definitions or understanding of what worship is. So first of all, I'm just going to share what the definition in the dictionary for worship is. <clears throat> and that is, worship is the feeling or expression of reverence and adoration for a deity to regard with great or extravagant respect, honor, or devotion. So sometimes we'll be like, yeah, I don't know if this definition lines up. Well, it does. This is worship. The, the dictionary definition of worship is true. This is what we do as believers and followers of Christ. We express our reverence and adoration for Christ. He's our deity. And we regard with great and extravagant, extravagant, I love that word, extravagant respect, honor, or devotion. Another way to look at it is there is a point in the Bible that Jesus said what we are called to do as believers. This is the greatest commandment and this is what I believe the Bible's definition of worship is. Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. That's worship. Loving the Lord your God with all your heart, and all your soul, and all your mind. And this is a kind of love that Jesus demonstrated. So this isn't the love that's only feelings, only good, warm, fuzzy feelings. This is the kind of love that Jesus demonstrated on the cross. It's a laid down kind of love. 
And so when we enter into worship, we are expressing a laid-down life, a laid-down, surrendered kind of love. That's the kind of love he's called us to. Another way that I like to look at worship, or a definition of worship, next slide, please, is worship is an expression of love and devotion. Worship is our expression of love. You hear me? Worship is an expression of love and devotion to God. That's what we do. And so this expression can look like a variety of things. Sometimes we go to church and we think that worship is just this point in the service that music happens. Or worship is just something I listen to in the car. Worship is so much more than that. And like I said earlier, worship is a lifestyle. But it's even more than that. It's an, it's an expression throughout our life. And so we can express love by using our gifts. God has given us gifts. And it's not just musical gifts. He's talking about accounting gifts. I do not like numbers, okay? So you, amen, yeah? I do not do well with numbers, and so I am so grateful that my husband's gift is numbers, right? <laughs> I am so blessed by that. And so understanding that our gifts can bless others, and therefore our kin kingdom building, and therefore our God honoring, because we are blessing others, because the second greatest, or the second part of the greatest commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself. That's also an act of worship, is loving the Lord and loving your neighbor. And so when we use our gifts, that's an expression of worship. Another way to think of that is that, so my son, his, his name is Lincoln, he's eight years old, and when Alex and I give him a Christmas present or a birthday present, and he opens it, and he's so excited, and he... He plays with that toy. Let's say it's, he, he builds that Lego, okay? Because he loves his Lego. So he builds that Lego. And then a week later, he goes back and he, he builds something else with it and he creates something else with that. How does that make us feel as a parent? We feel joy. I feel joy when I see my son delighting in the gift that we've given him. I feel joy when I see him delighting in the gift that I've given him. And I believe that's what the Lord does. When we delight and have joy in the hobbies that he's given us, in the gifts that he's given us, that is an expression of worship. Another expression of worship is by being generous. So we can be generous with our time. We can be generous financially. We can give to the church right? We can give generously to others. That's another offering of worship. Another expression of worship, and to no surprise, this is my favorite expression of worship, is music. Yes, <laughs> music, I believe, is a universal language, because every tribe, tongue, and nation will understand music, will feel music. The Spirit, our Holy Spirit, 
he uses music as a universal language to speak to all of his children. And so I believe that there's something supernatural that happens with music. There's something that happens when sound happens. You know, Jesus, I mean, God spoke the world into existence. There was sound that happened to create us. And so there's something that happens when we make a mighty shout, when we praise the Lord, when we make music unto the Lord. I believe there's something happening in the supernatural that we don't see. We don't see that. And today I don't have enough time (laughs) to go into what happens in the supernatural when we worship. So I'm just going to leave that there with you, and maybe Darian will ask me to preach again, but we'll see. (laughs) Or I might say no, actually. Who knows? (laughs) But that is a whole topic to itself, so we're going to leave that. But I do want you to just think about the importance of music as an expression of worship. That is one of the tools that he's given us. And we don't have to be musical to express through music. I believe every single person is a singer, Every single person is a singer, Spencer. <laughs> Spencer has commented in the, commented in the past that he, he doesn't have a good voice. Is what he's, he said that. I didn't. We all have a voice. We can all sing. If we can speak, we can sing. And I believe that is, that is a tool that God has given us in worship. Now, I think to understand the importance of worship, we need to understand why. So we understand that, okay, God has commanded, God has called us to worship, God has called us to give him love, praise, adoration, he has called us to these things. But he is not a God that needs it, right? He is not a God that's like, oh, please stroke my ego, right? He doesn't need to be puffed up. He doesn't need worship to feel good about himself. Firstly, we worship because Jesus died on the cross to save us. We worship because he first expressed love to us. We express love to him because he first expressed love to us. But secondly, because it is in and through expressing that love, it is in and through worship that we experience his manifest presence. We experience his manifest presence, his presence made known, his very, very real and alive presence. And that is what we need. He knows that is what we need to thrive, to grow, to be transformed, to be renewed. He knows that it's in his presence that we become like Christ. And it is in his presence that we feel his love. That is so important. If we're not continually feeling the love of Christ or experiencing his love, it's really easy for us to go astray and do our own thing and search and worship other things. We will search for what we feel like will fulfill us. But when we go into worship, he will fulfill us. And that is why he's called us to worship, so that we will be fulfilled by him and not someone or something else. 
And I think there's this thing that happens in worship, and it's not just, it's not just this one-sided thing. So I'm going to talk about Lincoln again. <laughs> so when we drop him off at school, he does this super cute thing. And this is why I told him to go in children's church, because I didn't really want to embarrass him in the service. <laughs> Don't tell him. Don't tell him. Okay, so he does this really sweet thing. We drop him off, and he's like this perfect height, so I get to kiss kiss the top of his head when we hug, and we say goodbye at school. So I give him this hug, and he's like, I love you. I say, I love you. Have a good day. And then he walks. He says, I love you, Mommy. And I'm like, I love you. Have a good day. See you. I love you, too. And then, I love you, too. Like, seriously, it happens like four or five times, and it is the sweetest thing, and my heart gets so warm by it, but I believe this is what happens when we worship. We say, I love you, and he's like, I love you too. I love you too. He keeps saying, I love you. I love you too. That is the type of intimate relationship that we get to be a part of in worship, and this is the cost that was paid. The cost was paid. And now we get to enjoy the benefit that was what was paid, right? We get to enjoy what he did on the cross now because we have that experience of his love in worship. You following me? I know that was a really weird way of phrasing that. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So to, when you, pardon me, when you think about it, this is what expresses the heart of God. So if we know that we're saying, I love you, God, and he's saying, I love you too, I love you too, I love you too, that's what's happening in worship, we get to see the very heart and nature of God. That is his heart, and that is his heart for worship, is to express his love to us. That is his heart. His heart has always been about communion with us, His heart has always been about intimacy with his people. His heart has always been about a fully connected relationship with us. And that is his heart. And in the Bible, there's one man that was described as a man after God's own heart. And I think he's someone that we can can learn from. We can gain some insight into how to worship or ways to, to look at worship. And that man was David. And when Saul was king, uh, Saul was being disobedient and he was making some bad choices and he was, he was truly just walking away from God. And so Samuel, the prophet, was told by God to find a man after his own heart, a man after the Lord's heart. And that man was David. So here's the verse. But now your kingdom shall not continue. So he's saying this to Saul. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart, and the Lord has commanded him to be prince over his people, because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. And so what makes David a man after God's own heart? What makes David a man? Like he's just the one man after God's own heart. Why was it him? And I believe it's him. It was David because David spent time with the Father. David continually spent time in worship with God. He spent time with him. 
when he was a shepherd boy, I'm, he probably just spent time playing his instruments, singing unto the Lord while taking care of his sheep. David, throughout his reign, continued to go back to the Father. No matter what was happening, he would say, God, should I go here or there? And God would say, go, go there. Okay. He would continue to go back to God and ask him. He would continue to seek out the presence of God. And he continued to honor and make the presence of God a priority. So, I believe that is why he's called a man after God's own heart. Because the presence of the Lord was David's priority. And I believe that's what we're called to. To have a man after, or be a woman or man after God's own heart. Making the Lord's presence a priority in our lives. Making our relationship and communion with God a priority in our lives. Not just something we do on Sundays, but a priority daily to be in his presence. I believe that is what makes David a man after God's own heart. And the wonderful thing about this is that David made a lot of mistakes. I actually am very grateful that he made a lot of mistakes and he didn't come across as perfect. Because he made these mistakes, it makes me feel like, okay, I make mistakes too, but I can still be a woman after God's own heart. David committed murder, adultery. He did some pretty bad things. And you know what? In Acts, so in the New Testament, in the New Covenant, he's still referred to as a man after God's own heart, even after all of that stuff happened. That didn't change his name. Then didn't change who he was. God said he is a man after God's own heart. And so we are going to make mistakes. We are going to fail. That happens. That's life. But if our pursuit is continually returned to the Father and making his presence a priority, making worship and encountering his presence a priority... Our name won't change either. So I think we can model worship by how David worshipped. Because I think at this point, we might be thinking, yes, I want to get into the presence of God. I would like to do that. But maybe that's new. Or maybe you don't know what that looks like or what steps to take. So we're going to walk through that based on how David worshipped. So let's look at a psalm. Which... uh, uh, Let's skip this. Skip it. Yeah, okay, so... So we have... Okay, so first of all, I love how David writes his songs. He's like, For the director of music, to the tune of the doe of the morning... And I just think of that like beautiful, like, you know, I think of like, that's pretty songs. And then he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You know, it's like, I, these two don't make sense t- together, but I trust your songwriting, David. I'll go with it. But here we have, he says, let's just read it. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 
Why are you so far from saving me? So far from my cries of anguish. My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer by night, but I find no rest. Yet, yet, you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the one Israel praises. In you, our ancestors put their trust. They trusted and you delivered them. To you, they cried out and were saved. In you, they trusted and were not put to shame. Let's go to another psalm. Very similar as well. Also to be accompanied by the flute. O Lord, hear me as I pray. Pay attention to my groaning. Listen to my cry for help. My King and my God, for I pray to no one but you. Listen to my voice in the morning, Lord. Each morning I bring my requests to you and wait expectantly. Because of your unfailing love, I can enter your house. I will worship at your temple with deepest awe. A lot of the Psalms follow this similar pattern where David is just pouring out his heart. And then there's a but or a yet where he decides, but God, I know you are good. Yet God, you are holy and enthroned on the praises of your people. There's always this switch. And then he begins to talk about God's unfailing love often leading into God's faithfulness. And this is how we can enter into the presence of God. This is how we can approach worship. So let's go to the next slide. So David always began, maybe not always, there are different, <laughs> different ways that the Psalms are written, but often it came in with this honest and authentic communication. I don't think God is asking us to enter into worship with any falsehood upon us. He's not asking us to come into worship. Like this morning, maybe you weren't feeling like worshiping. Maybe you were thinking about what happened before you came here today or the stress that you are going to be going to after the service today. God is not saying, okay, can you pretend that that didn't happen and then let's just worship. He's, he's not asking that of us. He wants all of us, like every part of us. And he knows that this world is messy. He knows that there's a lot of garbage in our lives. Things are happening around us, happening to us. He knows this. And so what he's saying is, come, bring it all to me. I want your honest, authentic, vulnerable selves Intimacy is something that he calls us to, an intimate walk with him. And we can't have intimacy unless we have vulnerability. And that's any relationship. We can't be intimate with one another unless we're vulnerable with that person. And so God is not saying, come here this morning and and just ignore it all. He's saying, come, bring your heaviness. Let me take that burden from you. Be honest with me. Share it with me. You know, there's something that I feel uh, God has been showing me recently. 
And it's, it's really just the, the shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. And we kind of make jokes about this verse. You know, it's the shortest verse in the Bible. Well, easy to remember. All this stuff. But really, isn't it one of the most important verses in the Bible? Jesus wept. He didn't just look at us and say, oh, they're crying. Oh, they're hurting. He wept. He wept with us. He weeps with us. And so when we come into that vulnerable place, we allow him to weep with us. We let him in and allow him to, to feel. And he feels. He feels these things too. He felt it as Jesus when he walked this earth, but he also created emotions. He created us and, and all that is us. And so knowing that he's not scared of our weeping, he's not scared of our pain. He's feeling it with us. He's in it with us. And so we can trust, trust him. We can be vulnerable with him. Because in that place, when we are vulnerable, he, he can actually do something about it. Because I believe if we're holding it in and we're not vulnerable with him, he can't do anything about it. Because we won't allow him to. So we have to come into his presence with a vulnerability and just wherever we're at and say, God, do what you're going to do. <laughs> God, heal that place of hurting or Jesus, just weep with me. He wants to be a part of every season of your life. And I believe David understood that. And that's why he opened up and he poured out all of that stuff on God. But then he would switch gears. And he would go to praise and thanksgiving. He would express his praise and thanksgiving. That's a big deal. When we praise and thank the Lord, and I believe Joy mentioned this earlier today, but when we praise and thank the Lord, it shifts the atmosphere. It shifts our perspective. We begin to magnify who God is and his goodness, and our problems get smaller. He gets bigger, and not that our problems become nothing. They're real. They're very real. But how big he is becomes greater in our hearts and minds than how big our problem is. And that is why we praise and thank the Lord. Also, I think there's something that happens spiritually and sonically in the room when we praise and thanksgiving. I believe that helps to defeat demons. I'm just going to say it if that weirds you out. I'm sorry, but that's what happens. When we praise and thank the Lord, chains are broken. Chains are broken. It's just what happens. It's just who he is and what happens. So remem remembering that we can do that. We can praise and thank the Lord. Something else I think that happens in a lot of these psalms is when he goes into praise and thanksgiving, I actually think that's when um, the Holy Spirit has manifested. I think that he switches gears because Jesus shows up. <laughs> He's like, oh, God, why, why? And Jesus is like, hey, I'm here, buddy. I'm here with you. And he's like, oh, thank you, hallelujah. You are holy. So I think there's a bit of that switch that also happens not only intentionally from him, but I think sometimes it's a response to the manifest presence of God. Something else that David does is he declares the faithfulness. 
He, dis- he remember, remembers and reminds himself of the way that Jesus has been faithful, the way that God has been faithful in the past. And when we declare his faithfulness, we are prophesying to our future. The testimony of Jesus, this is in Revelation, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So when we testify of Jesus' goodness, God's greatness, we are prophesying over our future. We, were, we will see his faithfulness come. We will see his provision. That is what we do when we sing and we declare his faithfulness. So that, these are the three big things that I think happen, and these are the ways that we can enter into the presence of God. So I think, actually, I think I'll have the team come up. When I was preparing this message, I, I really felt the Holy Spirit. I really felt God telling me what he wanted me to share with you. The biggest and most important thing that he wanted me to share with you. And that is that he just wants to be with you. I really felt that he told me, when he told me, he said, you know, Erica, I just want my people. I just want to be close to my people. And that's what worship is about. It's us giving him our presence and he returning his presence. It's us giving us, giving him our love and him pouring out his love on us. I don't know where you're at right now in your walk. I don't know if worship is a normal thing in your life or if this is new. But today I want to encourage you. We are going to head into a time of worship. And when we say a time of worship, we're going to head into a time of worship. I'm sure you've heard that lots at church. We are going to head into a time of worship. What that means is we are going to enter into the presence of God. We are going to spend time focusing and entering in to the presence of God. We know that God is here among us. He is with us. He has promised us that. He is here, but there's something different from his omnipresence and his presence within us to the manifest presence of God. We can call and ask for his presence to be made known, and that is different than experiencing his presence on a daily basis. Like in our hearts, it is different when he manifests. It is different when he comes into the room. So when we talk about entering into a time of worship, we are entering into his made known manifest presence. And it's made known because we are putting our attention on him. We are bringing our awareness to him. We are opening our eyes to the things of heaven. You know, what are they doing in heaven? They are worshiping and praising the Lord. They are singing unto the Lord in heaven. That is what they do in heaven. So when we sing and we say, Lord, your will be done, 
When we say your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, what are they doing in heaven? They are worshiping. So when we are worshiping here and singing praise, we are literally doing heaven on earth. We are doing heaven on earth. And I believe the angels join us. We've actually had testimony from our prayer team of seeing angels worshiping with us on Sunday mornings, seeing Jesus walking with us in the room. These aren't made up people. He manifests and he comes into the room. And so today, as we enter into worship, I want you to think about maybe that step that you need to take. Maybe it's just being real with God, saying, Lord, this season has been rough. Help me feel whole, heal that place. Or maybe we're going in and we're declaring and remembering his goodness and his faithfulness. Maybe we need to remember the times that he's provided. Maybe you're in a place right now where you're waiting on the provision of the Lord financially, or maybe it's a job, whatever it is, remember how he has provided for you before and declare his faithfulness as you sing. Declare it and prophesy that over your life. Maybe another thing to think about is just entering in and giving him praise and glory. I think that is the most powerful thing we can do is exalt him praise him anyway wherever we're at whatever we're feeling we say God you are good because I know you're better at being good than I am God I know that you have a way better perspective over the earth than I do and over my situation than I do so when we praise that's what we're doing so as we enter in I want you to, to take another step just like Dan was saying a couple weeks ago that we're going to take a step deeper into our prayer life. Take a step deeper into our practice of worship. So if you have never raised your hands in worship today, allow yourself to feel a little uncomfortable and raise your hands today. If you have never knelt down in the presence of God, I want to encourage you to kneel. If you've never bowed, I want to encourage you to bow. Because what we do physically will change our heart. It all connects. <laughs> I know that there are times in my life where I felt like God was like, I want you to kneel right now and worship me. Kneel right now and worship me. And it wasn't like a negative thing. It wasn't a burden. It was just like, okay, God, you, I can kneel, even though I feel ridiculous right now because I'm the only one doing this. I am going to kneel right now, Jesus. And as soon as I did that, oh, I promise you, as soon as I did that, the floodgates were open. Because as soon as I did that and I was obedient to the presence of God, he poured out and outpoured more and more of his presence. And that's what he wants to do, give you more and more of his presence. It's his presence that sustains us. And it shouldn't be just a one-time thing, being in his presence over and over and over again, daily, that that becomes normal, that I, I hear his voice speaking to me constantly, 
the more we are obedient to that. So, yes, I'm encouraging you to raise your hands if you haven't. Kneel if you haven't. Maybe it's a bowing of your head. Maybe it's just laughing. And if somebody laughs in the room, just let them. If the Holy Spirit leads them to laughter, just let them. If someone's weeping in the room, praise Jesus. (laughs) So let's stand. Let's raise our hands, open our hearts. Maybe it's up here, down here, whatever is that next step for you. Okay, you don't have to take a giant leap, just the next step. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, thank you. Oh, we honor you, Jesus. Oh, we honor you. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Your presence is enough. Would you manifest now? Would you make your presence known? Yes. Yes. I can't help but sing instead of pray. (laughs) I can't help but sing instead of speak. The Holy Spirit, yes. Manifest right now. Make your presence known. We enter in Jesus. We enter in. Oh, every heart soften right now, softening to you, softening to you. We surrender, cause you are worthy, Lord. You are worthy. You are worthy of our praise. You are worthy. I just feel like the Holy Spirit wants to say to you today, I love your presence. I love your presence. That is truly what the Lord is saying to you right now. I love your presence, child. (laughs) I love your presence. Thank you for opening your hands to me. Thank you for opening your heart to me. right now. 